This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. If you're interested in learning more about our church, go to Bethlehem.church forward slash location forward slash south dash campus. Dave, it is a rainy, cold day in September in Minnesota. It changed quickly. It did. Really, really <laughs> fast. Is this the kind of weather you like? You like the... Uh, the shift to fall and everything comes with it, the rain, the clouds? I would say I probably like normal fall weather. Might be my favorite season, except that the older I get, the more I have a hard time blocking out in my mind what comes after fall. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, grown less enjoyable for me over the years, but I do, I do like this weather generally. Um, my my wife is definitely a warm weather gal. So this is when she starts lamenting yeah, deeply in her soul. Mine too. <laughs> I like this weather generally, although I like the Irish version of it a bit more. Uh, Ireland has a lot of rain, but uh, it's also very much the, you don't like this weather? Wait an hour. And it changes. Uh, <laughs> it's not like that at all in Minnesota. Not at all. I think that'll suffice for a random question. Cool. Just wait. wait for, no, no. You didn't ask me anything. I didn't. That's, that's yeah. Great. Yeah. No, here, here's a random question. So, Dave, on, on days when time is short at the office, where do you go get lunch real fast? Like, what do you what do? you do? Yeah. And what do you get? It's either. Um, so, I normally just go right up the hill here, this little strip. It's either uh, chicken nuggets from McDonald's or it's uh, sometimes Subway. I'll go grab a oven. It's called oven roasted chicken breast sub or something like that. I think that's what it's called. Something like that. Mm. Those are the two go-tos. Okay. If I forget. Eat fresh. Eat fresh. It's good. Or not. I don't think that's it's Bill Belichick is now the is now the spokesperson for Subway. I don't know if you saw that. I always go for the foot long. Oh, I the, see that. Yeah, yeah. I always go for the foot. Long pause. Long. I yeah, got it. Yeah. Clever. Well, today, Dave, we're talking about the doctrine of the church. It's actually, I hope that over the next four or five podcasts, we're going to spend just talking about different elements of the church. So, Dave, why why talk about the church? Yeah, it's what, it's what we do. We're pastors. <laughs> <laughs> so we, no, I uh, I uh, I think the church. I think most people underestimate what the church is, um, but it's it's really in the course of God's redemptive plan of history, you know, we've talked about the covenants and, and the people of God throughout the covenants culminating in Christ. Well, now we have uh, the people of God who trust in the death and resurrection of Christ, and that's called the church. And all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus, but those promises are directed to God's work in his people in the church. And so uh, when you think about the church, you can think about it in kind of the grand scale of things, like the church worldwide, all those who have trusted in Christ's death and resurrection worldwide, uh, the global church. And we see it used that way uh, a few times in the New Testament. And the way it's normally used in the New Testament, though, is in the local expressions of that global church. Uh, So when we're talking about what is the church? You certainly have the global version, but we're mainly thinking through 
what about these local expressions that the Lord has ordained of his gathered people? Yeah, so certainly you see texts like Ephesians 1 and 2. So Paul is writing to a a local church, mm-hmm. but he's talking about universal realities for the church, big C, church. Um, so uh, God's election, God's calling of them, God's pouring out of the Holy Spirit, sealing them, God taking them and uh, pouring his resurrection power in Christ on them for their new life. Um, taking not just Jew, but also Gentile, and out of the two, making one in Ephesians 2. That is about the big C church. Um, And then as you just kind of comb through the New Testament more minutely, you see that kind of thing playing out Mm -hmm. left and right. Um, Romans 14, let each person, uh, you know, the, the, the day that you esteem, let each person be fully convinced of his own mind about one day being superior to another, probably talking about like, should we have Saturday worship uh, of the Lord because we're Jewish? Or should we worship him on the day that he rose from the dead because we're Gentiles? And then into Galatians and the Judaizers who said to these Gentile Christians, you've got to convert to Judaism. So you see left and right, this big C stage get played out in these local contexts and what that means. What has God done? In creating this new people, well, that has to be fleshed out, played out mm-hmm. in sanctifying change in each of their lives. What other texts are significant for uh, understanding the church? So I, I just mentioned Ephesians 1 and 2. I mean, well, I mean, the only thing I'd say about just talking about the local expression is that you just see, you know, you see in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 2 Corinthians 1, 1. Galatians 1-2, Ephesians 1-1, Philippians 1-1, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, early early on there, you see Paul refer to the church of God that is in Corinth, the church of God that is in Corinth, the churches of Galatia, the saints who are in Ephesus. So just that emphasis on this this local expression. I mean, the first time you see, uh, we were talking before the start of the first time you see it show up is Matthew 18, uh, where where Jesus is talking about uh, how he's going to, how he's going to build his church, um, and so I think that uh, that we see it. We see kind of uh, Jesus begin to talk about it in his ministry, and after his death and resurrection, and the pouring out of his spirit. You think of like Acts two. Most people think of that as kind of the inauguration of the church. Uh, then you then you hear a lot about it more in the epistles and the letters, as kind of the the outflow of his death and resurrection and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Matthew 18. <clears throat> That's probably the text. And if you remember the podcast we did, one of the earliest episodes with Jonathan Lehman, just the argument that, I mean, what a church is, ecclesia, mm-hmm. is uh, a gathering. Mm-hmm. So it's a, I think, Dave, you and I are both pretty compelled by seeing uh, the church and its reference in the New Testament as a gathering, whether big picture see mm-hmm. it's meant to be a, a foretaste picture of that final gathering you know of everyone around the throne yeah. uh, that is already but not yet in some mysterious way we are we are with Christ in the heavens seated with him already um, Paul tells us but then gathered locally as well and um, I think that's often something that uh, in in the last 40 or 50 years gets passed over mm-hmm. that a church is something that 
gathers. Mm-hmm. What uh, what makes a church then? So I I mean I just said one like it's got to gather in some sense for sure. But like what other what other things are um, maybe classically what we'd say make up the elements of the church? Yeah. Uh, so at least from a Protestant perspective, you you want to see the gospel preached rightly, the word of God preached rightly. You want to see the ordinances, uh, the Lord's Supper and baptism practiced rightly, and you want to see church discipline uh, practiced rightly. Um, you know, the other, the other, uh, those are kind of the classic three from the Protestant perspective of people gathered doing those things rightly. Um, the other implicit thing with all of that, with the ordinances, with the preaching, with the um, church discipline, is that you're going to have uh, local leaders, elders, among this people to walk with this people. So a local group of people accountable to a local group of elders meant to lead them. You know, we, we talked a lot about this in the, in the 2020 vision. So First Peter 5, shepherd the flock of God among you. You know, Acts 20, 28, the, the elders are going to be among you keeping a close watch on the sheep. And so uh, that, that's, that's implicit in all those other preaching ordinances and discipline, discipline ideas that there's going to be leaders uh, who are accountable for the souls of this local congregation as well. Yep, yep. So a, a gospel message that creates a, a gospel structure. I think what were the three elements you said? So the right preaching of the word, the gospel, and then you have these two things, these ordinances or sacraments, mm-hmm. the baptism and the Lord's Supper that picture the things signified, That's the right. gospel. That's right. And then That's church right. that also says, here is who are authorized representatives of this kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the keys of the kingdom are yep. in Matthew 18, right? So yep. the church has the ability, not just apostles, not just elders, but the whole church mm-hmm. gathered to say, um, this person in sin, we have to treat them like a Gentile and a tax collector. Yep. So they will be led away from their sin to repentance. So yep. those three things are classically what uh, Protestants would, would label as being part of the church. Yeah, Lehman, Lehman has a really helpful definition in his book on membership. He says, A local church is a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom through those means we just talked about. So gathering, we talked about that, through those means to affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And the reason that's significant is when you show up on a Sunday, right, we have a tendency in America, especially, we're so individualistic to, I'm here for me and God. I'm here for my little time with him. And when you're coming, you're coming to affirm and oversee the body's membership, your brother's and sister's membership. And that's what we're doing in small groups. That's what we're doing in in all the various ministries we're doing is trying to oversee, affirm, and then encourage one another's membership, which is even what we're doing in discipline. We're loving each other by saying, we we just, we're worried about you and we want you to come back. Yeah, yeah. We're watching out for each other's souls. That's right. In all of this. Very good. So what is the significance of the church then today? Why, why, Why would God do this? So call out people from everywhere. 
like not just from an ethnicity, Israel, like the Old Testament, but call them out from everywhere for the sake of what? Yeah, I think uh, you could, I mean, you can answer it in a bunch of different ways. But I think what he's, he's trying to do is gather a people and he's doing it locally so that you can actually live out these one another's of the gospel that I think are actually meant to be a display of the gospel. So we even talked about this in the sermon last week in 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11, that we get to display the forgiveness of the gospel and the welcome of the gospel and the servanthood of the gospel and all these things. So the church is meant to be a display of the gospel. And then the church is meant to, to come together in the power of the Spirit to pray and preach the gospel to a watching world. So a display of the gospel to the watching world, the manifold wisdom of God, it says that in Ephesians 3, to the watching world, and then to preach and to pray for the advancement of the gospel in the world, which you could, you know, you go to Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. You could go to uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and talk about being ambassadors uh, for Christ. So those would be the, the main the main things that I think he's trying to do. Yeah. Make much of Jesus. Yeah. So is that cool. as the body of Jesus? Sure. Right. How how does that compare to the significance of or the purpose for Israel in the Old Testament? Is this just a brand new thing? Like, I mean, it is a brand new thing, right? It's a brand new thing in terms of like, uh, I mean, Ephesians two explicitly says out of two ethnicities, Israel and then everybody else making mm-hmm. one new thing, but. As far as the purpose that the church has, is that radically different than the purpose that Israel had? Radically. Um, you know, there's, there's, I mean, there's even debate about this sure. in some ways. But in one sense, the people of God have always been here for the purpose of fellowship with and worship of God so that the world would know the name of God. Yeah. Uh, so, so, and so, in some ways, that hasn't changed. I'd say maybe what has changed more is it's gone from a uh, an, an ethnic reality, although that has nuance to it too, because sojourners were welcomed in, uh, yep. and, and so there's nuances there. But an ethnic national reality, as the people of God of Israel, to now, like you mentioned before, heading towards this Revelation five seven, every tribe, tongue, people language and nation and it's more i think i think a simple way to say it's in, in the old testament maybe it was a more come and see come yep. and see the holiness of god situated in one place here's the temple come and see him come and meet with him you're welcomed into this thing and now in the new testament matthew 28 we have this go and tell go and make disciples of all nations don't come to just this nation to see god but you as the new temple of God, the church of Christ, go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah. So similar purpose, but the, the way that's working itself out is probably pretty significantly uh, different in one regard, although the purpose is yeah, close. Yeah, yeah I mean, that <clears throat> that's just Deuteronomy 4, right? So you just t- quoted, like, yeah. the church displays the manifold wisdom of God mm-hmm. to the nations, to angels, to everybody I mean, this is, and this is Deuteronomy 4, right? Mm-hmm. So Deuteronomy 4, see, I have taught you, it's Deuteronomy 4, verse 5, see, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, Moses speaking to people of Israel, that you should do them in the land you're entering and take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the 
peoples mm-hmm. who when they hear all these statutes will say surely this great this great nation is a wise and understanding people for what great nation is there that has a god so near to it as the lord our god is to us whenever we call upon him mm-hmm. so there's a the wisdom of god on display in the people of god being holy in the old testament mm-hmm. and it was come and see like just come and see this wisdom and we see instances of that in the old testament and then now the manifold wisdom of god on display in the church is go and tell mm-hmm. go and mm-hmm. go and show this uh, manifold wisdom of god mm-hmm. so when we talk about church in israel um what are god's purposes for israel today or how does the church in israel relate we got we talked about this a little bit in the covenant Mm -hmm. discussion with Nick over a couple Mm -hmm. of podcasts. But if you just put a a firm underline on our step, like how do we, how do we think about Israel, ethnic Israel today? Is God's uh, purposes for them over? He's done with them. What, what would we say? I'll tell you what I would say. And you can say what you would say. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. I think, I think you already went to Ephesians two and talked about how Jew and Gentile are now in one new man, Um, united in Christ, brought into this thing called the church, the people of God. And so I think that that would be what I'd say about right now. What what is God doing? He's building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And his church is every tribe, tongue, nation, language, and people. And yet, um, and, and you know, there's all sorts of different views about this. But when I look at Romans uh, 9 to 11, and, and Paul, uh, Paul has just gotten done with Romans 8, which we all love. These, these huge sweeping promises that the church has in Christ. And then he's looking back and, and realizing that some people could look at Israel and say, well, maybe God's word isn't trustworthy. Maybe I can't trust all these amazing promises because hasn't Israel kind of gone astray? And he, he talks about how God's word hasn't failed and he walks out election and God's purposes. And I think when you get to chapter 11, uh, However you parse out, there's several verses that you got to parse out certain ways, but I, I do think that there are still purposes that will come to pass for ethnic Israel um, in the future. And, yep, yep. And there's a lot more we could say about that, but I would just say I do think there's a place for that in the future for ethnic Israel yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, that's Romans 11, 1 through 5, right? This Paul, I ask then, uh, after he looks at, like, God very carefully choosing who he will elect and a lot of times not choosing Israelites um, over like like over time. But he, Paul then poses the question, I ask then, has God rejected his people, Israel, ethnic Israel? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. What is, how do we know that he hasn't rejected Israel? It's not simply because Israel exists. It's because Israelites are coming to Christ. God is calling Israelites. And that's the the point of the next four verses as he looks back in the Old Testament and the remnant that was faithful, even as the vast majority of Israel turned from God to the Baals Mm -hmm. in the time of Elijah. There was still a remnant. Mm -hmm. And Paul then says, so too at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. And he goes on and he says, of course, God has not rejected to verse 25 to 27, I think it's exactly what he's saying there. You know, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, 
And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. So in what way? Well, the, the deliverer will come from Zion. Yeah. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Well, who yeah. is that deliverer? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Anything else we'd say about the doctrine of the church? Just, just that I think, um, the reason we're doing this is that I think that we both think maybe it's one of the most under underthought through doctrines in the American evangelical church today. And I think, I think the more I've studied it, the more I've felt uh, a burden for other people to get what a miracle the church is and what a, what an unbelievable privilege it is to be a part of the church and to know that God is certainly going to work in his people and his church and, uh, there's a lot more to say, but just it, it's an unbelievable reality to be a privilege and a part of, and I think that we we don't talk about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, Steve Rindy upped our game here on the podcast, and he offered a free copy of The Valley of Vision, the Book of Puritan Prayers, to anybody who would email him. I'm not sure if he actually has gotten that email yet, but uh, you can always email Steve, steve.rindy at Bethlehem.church and say, hey, yeah, you got this book? You got this book? Well, what we're going to do over the course of the next several podcasts, I'm going to do a book giveaway. And so today, um, when you hear this podcast, uh, whenever it comes out, you can shoot me an email, daniel.vizbicky at Bethlehem.church. I won't even try to spell it. You can just find it. It'll be fine. And uh, today we're giving away a copy of Mark Dever's Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. So just kind of a Kind of a book that's become really popular over the last 20 years for just thinking about not not necessarily what are all the marks of what it means to be a healthy church, but just here's nine delineating marks, I think, especially here in America, that helpfully signal, hey, this is a church moving towards health. So shoot me an email. I will save a copy of that book for you at the front desk. Dave, looking forward to the rest of our time. I think the next four times, three or four times we get together, we're going to be talking about different elements. What are what are the next several that we're going to be talking about? I think next time we're talking about what elders, Elder, right? Elder-led church. Yeah. Then baptism after yeah. that? Yeah, baptism. Maybe communion. Coming baptism up. and communion. Yep, probably two separate ones. I think we're going to talk about membership again, membership. just what it means. So healthy eldership, healthy membership will be squeezed in there. Dave, thanks for joining me today. Always happy to be here. Always happy. That's good. Pastoring Out Loud is a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus. you a member at South Campus and there's a topic or a scripture text, something else you'd love for us to go through, email the office at southoffice at bethlehem.church. 